Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia. Routes 11 and 15 at Hummel's Wharf. Last night, Florida was able to win the Orange Bowl. Our play-by-play call of the day. Mitch Hubert on the Florida IM, Learfield IMG Network. Gators have a first down and goal to go as they hand the ball up on a running play. P. Right, hand it off to And the Gators lead 23-14. to 14. Ended up stepping out of bounds in an attempt for a fourth one last night. Florida has had trouble running the ball all season until last night. And their running game, led by P. Ryan, who was in his final game with Florida, because he's a senior. Yes, at times a rarity in today's college game. But uh, P. Ryan ran for three touchdowns last night. Actually, he caught one, ran for two. And Florida won the Orange Bowl over Virginia last night. Okay, uh, let's talk about the playoffs coming up. The Eagles get the Seattle Seahawks. So, Glenn Mack now joins us from the Eagles Radio Network. Uh, Glenn, welcome. Great to have you with us on the show. Hey, my pleasure. Great day. It is a great day. Um, Doug Peterson did a great job in guiding the Eagles to the Super Bowl. No question about that. But in some ways, has he done a better job coaching this team, especially when you look at the long list of starters not playing Eagles football right now? Well, I think if you ask me that question in another couple weeks, I'll better be able to answer it. Um, You know, the Super Bowl's been going on for 50-plus years. The Eagles have won it once. So I will probably make that his top accomplishment forever. That said... Where they were at 5-7 and seven and where they have rebounded to with a bunch of street-free agents and practice squad guys and, you know, players you don't you literally don't know their name without a program is pretty remarkable. I give them a lot of credit for where they are. I think what he's done is remarkable. Look, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm an Eagles fan. I'm not. Uh, so uh, I look at it far more. I look at it far more. Than, well, you're, well, you're kind of no, mid-state. I'm, what are no. you? Uh-huh. What am I? No, I didn't grow up here, so I didn't grow up an Eagles or a Steelers fan. Oh, okay. Uh, Got it. Um, so I have probably a far more neutral look at it <laughs> than most people do. Uh, but when I sit there and I look at the long list, I'm, I'm taken aback. I mean, who do you throw the football to? I mean, to me, Greg Ward's a quarterback at the University of Houston. He's not a wideout. Yeah, he's he's a real revelation. The the interesting thing about him is they've had him around for a couple of years. He was on the practice squad. Right. And when we watched him in the preseason, there were a lot of us who thought, you know, this guy ought to make the team. This guy can play. He's you're right. He was a very good college quarterback, but he's he's got moves as a wide receiver and he's got hands. You know, we we kind of expected him to get here before he did. But right. he's, you know, he's a great revelation. Uh some of the other guys they have out there uh, Boston Scott, a kid who was drafted in the sixth round by the Saints, got cut, ended yeah. up here, another practice squad guy. 
boy, he can run. Little guy, five foot six, with moves great on a screen pass. It's uh, it, listen. I'd rather the Eagles be going into the playoffs with all of their first line talent, but this team yeah. with all of these guys is a whole lot of fun. Obviously, the guy I do know a lot about is Miles Sanders. So, not a little yep. bit, a lot. <laughs> uh, uh, what is his status right now? Because obviously, he's a guy who came on and played very well for them. Yeah, or you know, maybe you could argue he's offensive rookie of the year. Um, he tweaked his ankle. He's got a bit of an ankle sprain. The good news is it's not a high ankle sprain, which you know always oh, will good. keep you out longer. Um, they think he is going to play, um, and that's really important because what he did coming down the stretch and his connection with Wentz uh, on the screen pass, on the deep pass, uh, his ability to run the ball, get by people, the speed. Here's the thing that surprised me, and I guess I'll ask you this, because I watched him at Penn State. You know, he only started that senior year, but I watched him, and I thought he was good I didn't know he had this kind of breakaway speed that we've seen this season. Is, is that something that you saw at Penn State that I missed? Yes. Yeah, I did. Okay. But, but you know, you got to remember, though, Glenn, I was at every practice, every game, mm-hmm. so I was around him all the time. The area where he has really improved himself, Glenn, is that I felt going from his sophomore year to his junior year, he became a better receiver out of the backfield. And I think well, and you he, saw that. He's certainly done saw, that for them yeah. this year. And on a team where they were counting on Deshaun Jackson to be the deep threat, he went out in game two, and they really had nobody else with speed among the receivers. He's a guy that can go 25 yards down the field and catch the pass. Right. He can run a route, which has also been very helpful. Yeah, and that and part of that he picked up from Saquon. Because Saquon is a – Saquon is not a – Okay, Zeke Elliott is a circle out of the backfield flat guy. That's what yeah. he is. Saquon is more like Le'Veon Bell, and Sanders picked up on that. They run routes. Yeah, and I think and that, sure that makes it. Yeah, and that see for a linebacker or for a safety that makes them hard to cover. That that that's the whole point with them. Of the guys, hey, did you get out, to, did you get to watch Eagles good. Giants? I'm just curious. Uh, because watch, yeah. Okay, the Eagles did. It, it, it was such an interesting Saquon Barkley game because I don't remember how many carries he had in the end, but the Eagles essentially stopped him time after time after time after time until he ripped off a 72-yard touchdown. Right. Uh, and that was it. And it was it was almost like a Barry Sanders kind of game that he had. Yeah, and the, uh, he's he's had those because, look, he doesn't have the offensive line the Eagles have. No, and that's that's for Saquon. Early in his career, he had to go through when Penn State was coming out of sanctions, and the mm-hmm. offensive line is always the last part to be rebuilt. I mean, USC will tell you that. I mean, USC yeah. was at seventy-five scholarships forever, so that's that's been the always been the issue for him. Once he gets a great offensive line, if he had Elliott's offensive line, ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were finding him in the backfield every time he had the ball. They had to make three moves just to get to the line of scrimmage. Uh, Fletcher Cox made a huge play at that at the end of that game uh, against the Giants. You know, he's always been really, really good. How much, how much more can he give them in the playoffs, and what kind of linchpin can he be in the playoff run to at least help that defense? Well, he's got to be. Uh, and, again, part of why he has to be is because they have – 
huge injuries on the defensive line, uh, and they yeah. have from the very they picked up Malik Jackson as a free agent, and he went down right at the beginning of the season. He was going to be the other big defensive tackle. Tim Jernigan is there. Um, it has not been Fletcher Cox's best season. He started the year coming off the foot injury. He got very good in the middle of the year. Part of the problem is because of injuries, he's been playing 85, 90% of the plays, and that's a lot to ask of a big defensive tackle. So he had slowed down. It looked prior to last week, he had a couple of mediocre games. He was great against the Giants, and you ask me what he can give them, I don't know, but I know that he has to give them that first-rate Fletcher Cox as a dangerous man kind of game because they're not going to win. Um, you know, they're going to have to find Russell Wilson in the backfield, and he's going to have to be one of the guys doing it. It's interesting. Russell Wilson has had to do a lot himself because he doesn't have great wide receivers. Can we say what can you say about what Carson Wentz has done the last month of the season in particular? Brilliant. I mean, just great. Um, yep, I'm agreeing. Yep. Yeah, um, I've been a Carson fan since the beginning. Uh, in this town, I think in most towns, you know, starting quarterbacks come under a lot of scrutiny, and he he has here. And what he has shown over the last month is that he can win games under pressure. Uh, he can throw accurately. He's got his legs back. He can run. Um, he can win a close game. He can win with very limited talent around him. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's easy, obvious to say this, but it's really true. If they don't get the Carson Wentz they got over the last four games, they're not even close to the playoffs. He's far and away the leading cause that they were able to win those games. And he's on a real momentum now uh, in their in their. Nine wins this year, 16 touchdowns, no interceptions. Pretty good number. Yeah, that's outstanding. I thought in watching the first Giants game at the Link, the Monday night game, yeah, the way he brought them back, that showed me. And look, I've always thought he was, he had this in him anyway. So this is not, it wasn't a revelation, but I was just impressed by it. Because I just thought he played with a with a with a confidence of I'm not going to lose kind of thing, and I was impressed by that. Yeah, and that's kind of where we grade quarterbacks, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. You, you have 22 guys on the field, but the one guy who gets it on his one loss record is the quarterback. And so when a team is playing badly, uh, as they were that night, and he was listen, he had a terrible first half, yeah. but his ability to get it together. Uh, and come back and lead like that really, to me, shows that. Well, we had this debate on our on our show the other day. If you take the quarterbacks in the NFL and you take the ones who are 28 or younger, right? I'm not taking the vets. But right, you take sure. the young guys. To me, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, maybe Deshaun Watson, or maybe Wentz, and nobody else I'm taking ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, and on that list, I probably put Wentz ahead of Watson for the moment. And the reason mm-hmm. is this: to me, Wentz did what Phil Sims did the year Jeff Hosteller finished up, and they beat the Bills. The Giants are what eleven and one when Sims gets hurt. Yeah, Wentz, yeah, Wentz was... did the same thing Phil Sims did that year, but didn't get yep. the credit for it because the backup won the Super Bowl. Yeah, he would have been the MVP had he stayed healthy in the regular season. That's right. Agreed. 
Agreed. Ab- absolutely. Okay, so now what about the matchup with Seattle? I mean, here's the irony. The game gets to be played in the link because they're a division champ. What are the... what? What makes you uncomfortable about the matchup? What makes you comfortable about the matchup? Well, two things make me uncomfortable. One is that Russell Wilson always beats the Eagles and always plays great against the Eagles and has since he's come into the league. Um, I mean, Russell Wilson plays great against a lot of teams, obviously, yes, he but he's been he's been a killer against this team. And the other thing that makes me uncomfortable is the Eagles' list of injuries is just so long and getting longer every week. Now they've lost the Pro Bowl, the All-Pro guard Brandon Brooks is out for the season. Uh, maybe right tackle Lane Johnson comes back. We don't know that yet, but there's there's a point where injuries just start to bite into critical mass, and that's my big concern is they just don't have enough bodies to compete. What makes me comfortable is they have discovered that magic and chemistry with the. Wards and the Boston Scots, and uh, uh, we didn't mention Dallas Goddard, who's yeah. not a marginal player by any stretch, second-round pick, but a guy who's playing now because Zach Ertz isn't going to play, and he's been great. And they've really got something together with them. And the other thing that makes me confident, first of all, Seattle has a lot of injuries as well, but the Eagles' defense at home this year has given up 16 points a game, and uh, if you can ride that, you're, they're in good shape. How much have you looked at Seattle, Glenn, especially the last month? Because the one that shocked me was the Arizona game. Yeah. Yeah, they lost their mojo. I mean, that, that this is a team that could have been the one seed um, and really looked like it was going to be for the first half of the year. And for different reasons. You know, I always think of Seattle as that great def- legion of boom defense, and that's not what they are anymore. But they've really slumped. Uh, I mean, we know they've lost, what, their top three running backs, enough to bring back Marshawn Lynch. I don't know what he's got. I couldn't tell the other night. Uh, they lost their biggest, their best offensive lineman as well. That's it's really a it's a game between two real injured, uh, two battered up teams. Are the Eagles. It's not a great question, but I'll ask it anyway. The Eagles, in some ways, playing with house money because of all the injuries. Yeah. I won't say that on the pregame show uh, on on Sunday. Right, I agree. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I, would, I, mean, I, I mean, I wouldn't be sitting are. there. The Jack Ham and I wouldn't be sitting on the Penn State pregame show saying they're playing without money either. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, they are, and um, you know, I'm sure the players don't think that way. And because this is a team that has shown the last two years it can win in the postseason, including winning the Super Bowl two years ago. I think there's good reason to believe that at home against Seattle they can win this game. And then they're going to go on the road. And I don't know if they're going to play the Saints or Green Bay or they're going to play a pretty good team on the road, and that's going to be, that's going to be a real tough matchup. But for this weekend against, uh, against Seattle, uh, you know, I'm not going to bet my house on it, but I, I like them. Okay, one final question, and it's going to be with the with the tone and tenor of the season. In talking with somebody who covered the Phillies, they said the summer was so frustrating because even though they won some games, even the winning wasn't enjoyable. And I was talking to somebody else about a month ago that they felt the same way in covering the Eagles. Has the past month, though, suddenly changed and suddenly this has become an enjoyable experience? 
Absolutely. Because there were players uh, who were part of it a month ago who, if you want to talk about not fun, I, I guess I'd, I'd put them there that Nelson Aguilar was just not fun this year. Alshon Jeffrey was not fun this year. They didn't play what you thought they would be. You didn't, and I'm down there a lot, you certainly didn't get the, the sense down there that it had the same spirit that they had. Uh, and now you got all these young, hungry kids who are probably playing way over their head, but, you know, it's always fun when it's new and it's underdogs, and this is a team that has thrived on being the underdog. They won the Super Bowl as an underdog, so that makes it a lot more fun. So fun conversation, too. Glenn, thanks so much. Happy New Year to you and yours. Yeah, same to you and your listeners. I appreciate it. Nice to spend time with you. Same here. We will come back with more in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. Head to the bottom of the hour. Thank Glenn for being on. Glenn was terrific, wasn't he? That was great. Always love him on the pregame show with the Eagles. Oh, he does a great job. It's a great job. No getting around it. All right. Uh, Great to have you with us on the show today. Last show of the decade. Uh, I think we already have had what our last staff meeting of the decade, too. There were so many people so happy. All right. So, um, yeah. (laughs) I can definitely attest to that because I have the only one here in the building currently. I have been for the last few hours. Boy, oh boy, it doesn't take long for these people to hit the trail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, <laughs> I'm calling a meeting for tomorrow. <laughs> it's New Year, got to get done. That's our guy. He'll be back Thursday. Are you sure? <laughs> As of right now. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, it's great to have you with us on the show today. Uh, the uh, Actually, the show's moved quickly today. We had so much going on between Glenn and also Sandy Barber's press conference. And Sandy's press conference was not today. It was on uh, Friday in Dallas. Uh, and Penn State will be as uh, uh, they're not going to renew the contract to Matt Linegrover to be the offensive line coach. So Penn State will be in search of an offensive line coach, whether it is going outside to get one or whether it means moving somebody over and getting another position, whatever it may be. It's going to be up to James. Uh, he keeps a long list. This is something he's been thinking about. He's decided to do it. And now we'll see what he wants to do with it. And you know, Penn State's close. You know, I want to see, obviously, let's see what K.J. decides to do. And none of us, I can't tell Al. I can't tell you in a million years what, what K.J.'s thinking. Has to be a hard decision for him. 
no getting it. There's, there's no getting around it. The hard decision. I mean, you see, see, for example, I think it's a relatively easy decision, for example, for a guy like C.D. Lamb of Oklahoma. In fact, he's looked at as being a potential top 10 pick. Great to have you with us on the show today. We'll talk more about the NFL playoffs as the week goes on. We will not have a show tomorrow. I mean, Mac kept saying he wanted to work, he wanted to work, and I said, no, why don't you and Lisa go have a good time? Why, thank you. Uh, like, I don't know. I mean, somebody had to have common sense. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Happy New Year. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Last show of the decade. Oh, stop applauding. God. <laughs> we'll be back for the new decade on Thursday. <laughs> Frank Bodandy's going to join us, as a matter of fact, which I'm looking forward to. I always like talking to Frank. Uh, some of these guys, I just really enjoy talking to certain people above all, like a, like a Rich Scarcella. If you notice, like when, when Rich, Donnie's like this, Donnie Collins, um, Frank, right? you notice how their conversations, they're not really interviews? You know, Mark Wogan, Rich, same thing. You know, when I have Neil Riddell on, it's like old friends just sitting there and in, in, in chit-chatting. It's something years ago when it came to the football and basketball broadcast. And even though Jack and I never talked about it, well, Jack and I eventually did talk about this. Uh, we don't. We rarely talk about the broadcast. Rarely. But I remember... When Dick Girardi started on the broadcast, it was 2004, and it's our 16th season together. I'd done the um, Penn State-Indiana game in Bloomington, the goal line stand game, which was the forerunner to turning Penn State football around. Then after that, I mean, starting with that game, Penn State won... 53 games over five-plus seasons, the last two of 2004, and then 51 after that, the next five seasons. And I had to drive, Jeff Tarman and I had to drive from Bloomington up to Milwaukee because there was no flight that could get us there, so we rented a car and drove. So we drive up to Milwaukee, and Penn State's going to play Southern Illinois Sunday night at the Bradley Center, which is the old arena <laughs> that uh, the Bucks played, and the Bucks now play in a new place downtown, which is gorgeous. And Dick gets a hold of me and he says, "Hey, um, you want to come over to my room for a couple of minutes? I just want to talk about the broadcast for a second. I just want to see how we're going to do this." And I said, "You know, so I go down there." He says, "So how's this going to work?" I said, "Dick, I said I'll talk, you talk." 
I'll talk, you talk. I said, well, then we'll just talk. It'll be just two friends just sitting there watching a basketball game together. I said, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll call plays. I said, but we're going to talk. I said, just two friends talking basketball together. I said, no, you know. I said, it doesn't matter who does all the talking. It doesn't matter. I said, if you talk more than I do, I said, who cares? He says, that's so. He said, looks at me, he dick, typical dick. And then Dick will tell tells the story now. And he always looks around and he goes, legendary. <laughs> and that's and that's what I what Jack and I do. They're two really you know, Dick and I are really good friends. Jack and I are really good friends. And they're two tent friends talking basketball with, together and two friends talking football together. And that's what happens on the show with some of the people that we bring in and we talk to, just friends talking to each other. And the only person that orders me around is Matt. Jeez. Um, it's, it's, it's almost stunning. I mean, the next time I see Lisa, we're going to talk. <laughs> I want to find out if you order her around at home. <laughs> oh, she'll tell you some things, all right. <laughs> I'll bet you will. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the way it is. We have a blast. We have a blast. I mean, we know we have, you know, we know we have great jobs. Been quite a decade. Quite a decade. Yeah. Some. Uh, it's a decade that has seen, at one point, the lowest of lows. I mean, like really. I mean, just so low. So depressing. And now the last four years, you, you know, Jack and I felt like we've been witnessing the highest of highs. It's, it's amazing. Basketball, same thing. You know, look at basketball. You know, they went to the NCAA tournament in 11. And then they, you know... Coach left, wasn't fired. Coach left. Well, Pat came in, had to fight his way through a bunch of things. You know, now they've they've won an NIT, and now they are closing the decade out, ranked twenty first in the country. We'll find out what the twenty twenty part of the schedule brings, starting with Saturday's game in the Palestra at two o'clock. But I feel like the best is yet to come around here. That's everybody knows I've always been optimistic anyway. But I feel like the best is yet to come. And I think this year, Steve, in particular, just twenty twenty alone could be big for Penn State with football and men's basketball alone. And then I like what Sandy Barber had to say during a press conference last week about what we could see as far as individual performances go when the Olympics come around. I didn't realize well, how many uh, there were. I mean, 200, that is a oh, lot. That's amazing. The, the Olympics, the Olympic trials are here the first weekend of April. It's unbelievable that in State College, Pennsylvania, the U.S. Olympic team is going to be determined for wrestling in this town. It's unbelievable. That's what Kale's done. See, that's what Kale's done. Nobody but Kale could have done that. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, I can't wait for that weekend. 
Uh, they just did a wide shot of the Sun Bowl. There's these mountains that are on each side of the the stadiums tucked in the mountains. I hiked, I hiked one of those mountains once. You know that? I did not. Uh, Penn State played in the Sun Bowl Basketball Classic uh, in the late 90s. And the arena, the Haskins Arena, is right next to the Sun Bowl. So one day, I don't know, we were over for some event over there, and then all of a sudden we had some free time. I went over and I hiked up the mountain so I could look in the stadium. Man, I was a lot younger. <laughs> <laughs> I also took a rent a car and I drove it into Juarez, Mexico. <laughs> you know, so I'm driving Juarez, whatever, driving around, and of course, you know. And I took college Spanish. So it was just good enough to get me to negotiate my way back out of the country and back into the United States. Better you than me. I, I just had four years in high school. So my my late mother, God bless her. She said, I don't know, it was a few weeks later. I was talking to her. She said, what would you do when you were in El Paso? And I told her I drove into Juarez. And she's yelling at me on the phone about going into Juarez. I said, Mom, I said, you do know that obviously I'm back. <laughs> so you know, I said, I wasn't that imperiled. <laughs> I said, it'd be one thing if... I said I was in a Mexican jail. <laughs> I said I would give you all the leeway to yell at me. <laughs> I said, but I said I'm sitting here in Texas right now. <laughs> See, it was that that college Spanish education right there? <laughs> I said I figured out what I was doing. I'll tell you, it's a real education though for the players going over there. They deliberately took the team over to Juarez. You know, and obviously when you first enter, it's. It, but they took them to like to, to downtown markets, some downtown markets, things like that. And they got a, they got an opportunity, unfortunately, and also fortunately, to see the poverty. And it gave them a real appreciation for what they had in life. Now this is I'm going back 21 years. It was 19, it was December of '98, so it was 21 years ago. <laughs> Which explains why I could hike up that mountain. <laughs> so anybody sitting there looking at the at the sun bowl when they saw that shot, he hiked up that mountain. Yeah, I did. I had no problem. Hey, I'm impressed. I I hiked Diamond Head when my wife and I were in Hawaii for our uh, our honeymoon a couple of years ago, and I barely made it up. And she was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't know if Bucknell, if any there, I wonder if any of their players did. I have to off to ask them next time we go back up yeah. to Soika this week if they yeah. did that when they were da- down there for Christmas last year. Right. Yeah. Boy. Yeah, Penn State lost on a lost to Mississippi State on a three point shot from half court at the buzzer. <laughs> I remember that like it was yesterday. I thought about that when Penn State was playing Mississippi State in the NIT semifinals. Penn State blew them out by, I don't know, what, 24 points or whatever the number was. We look okay. back at this decade with Penn State ath- athletics, Steve. A couple of trips to Mexico and Ireland, too, for football not too long ago. So they- they've had a yeah. couple of uh, pretty good educational trips when you put it all together. 
in this well, decade. The, the Ireland thing, you know what's interesting about that? And the same thing with Mexico. You get on, you okay, it's not quite what people think it is. All right? Which I understand. It's not like when Jim Harbaugh takes his football team on spring practice to Italy and you see them going to the Vatican and meeting with the Pope and and going to the Coliseum and so forth. All right? That's spring football, and there's a practice. They're only, they only have three practices. So they've got time to do anything, and there's no game at the end of the week. Okay? So since there's no game at the end, you have the freedom to do stuff like that. When you've got games involved, it's not quite what people think it is. Uh so I'll, I'll start with Cancun. Cancun, uh, you land at, at Cancun Airport, which is like north and west of the city. And then we had to travel, I don't know, like 50 miles. Okay, 50 miles down to where the resort was. The resort was beautiful. So don't get me wrong, the resort was beautiful. But... You also do not leave the property. The only time you leave the property is to go back to the airport and fly back, which Penn State did on Thanksgiving Day. This is a year ago. So while you're there, you practice. You have your meetings like you usually do. But then you do get some free time to go over to the lagoon or if you want to... uh, go to the the uh, shop areas or anything. You can do all that. So you got free time to do that. But the educational experience of, hey, let's go around it, it that doesn't happen. You don't. You literally, Penn State got there, uh, had some free time to do some things, including going uh, swimming if they wished, uh, laying out at the pool if they wished, whatever. But then, of course, you had to practice. You had film like you always do, and then you had a game. Then the next day you turn around and you've got another game, which means you got another shoot around and so forth. And then the Thanksgiving meal was we had Thanksgiving together as a team at 11 a.m. right on the Gulf of Mexico. I mean, it's just just picturesque. But then, boom, we're done with that, and when we broke. Went over, made sure we were all packed, got on the bus, went back up to the airport. And instead of coming down from the airport like we did at night, we actually went back up during the day so you actually could see the Mexican countryside. And you could see the mix of, there's another resort, there's another resort. Ooh, there's a, there, oh, there, oh boy, I feel awful for those, for them. I feel awful for them. Well, that's okay. You know, you're, so you saw that. But that was the extent of it. Ireland. Ireland, you know, and we flew back Thanksgiving. Now, I got back at midnight on Thanksgiving and was back at work on Friday, did the pregame with James, and then I did the Maryland game here, Maryland football game. The Ireland thing, we went, I want to say, four days ahead. I want to say we went on a Tuesday. And same thing, landed, you know, we flew overnight because they were trying to time out the sleep pattern because of the dramatic change 
uh, in in time clock. So we flew overnight. The players slept, landed, got there, and immediately went to uh, the hotel. But the hotel was forty five miles south of Dublin. Now, that did give us an opportunity, because now it's during the day in Ireland, to see just the incredibly beautiful Irish countryside. Just gorgeous. But then, when you get there, what do you do? Well, then you practice. You have a game Saturday. And then you practice. There's a game Saturday. And then you have a walkthrough, because there's a game Saturday. Now, they did take them to the Guinness factory where, and no, the players didn't get Guinness. But what they did do is they had uh, an incredible meal set up for them on, I want to say, the fifth floor, fifth or sixth floor. Incredible meal for everybody which was really well done, well thought out. And then the players went back to, guess what, the Powers Court Hotel, which, by the way, was an off-the-charts hotel, Matt. Off the charts. In fact, Jack and I were just talking about it last week with some people about the Powers Court. And, you know, Jack and I went to practices. James, at one point, we we're over watching the defense, and James comes over to Jack and he says, "You know, the two, he says, he says, you know, the two of you can come over and watch the offense too." You know, <laughs> it's like, thank you, <laughs> right? But and that was, and so we went to practices. Jack and I did speak at the pep rally in Dublin, uh, but you know, but that was that was it. I, I think when we landed, the first thing they did was they took us to Crow Park. We actually went in there first. And we were fed there at Crow Park in Dublin. Then we went to the Powers Court. But see, the, the cultural part, there wasn't as much, you know what I mean? Because you got a game. Right, it's a you business a trip. Yeah, you got a game to see. And I, that's what people ask me all the time. Hey, what are you doing these road trips? These are all business trips to me. It's not like, you know, last week in Dallas, we went out to dinner. We actually ate in the hotel on Thursday night. And the steakhouse in the hotel is awesome. Not good. It's awesome. We then ate at a great steakhouse on Friday night. But I had to cut it short. Uh, the dinner was supposed to run from 6.30 to 9.30. And I had to leave at quarter of 8. So I was only there for about an hour and 10 minutes, hour and 15 minutes, because I had to go back to the hotel. James had to reschedule the pregame show because of how late practice ran in the stadium. And I was with them at the stadium. On Friday, but because practice ran over, he had meetings with TV, and then he had other stuff, and he needed needed for me to reschedule, and I did, which meant I, I you know, instead of spending three hours at dinner, I spent an hour and fifteen minutes there, and I had to go back. But that's the job. That's not a complaint, not even remotely a complaint. That's what I do for a living. So, and, and in terms of going to Dallas, I've been to Dallas so many times now. I have visited the assassination site on a couple of different occasions. Not that I, yeah. But I will tell you when we come back, an eerie moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK.
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Okay, so now here's the eerie moment. We get our we go over to the Omni Hotel, which is where Dick Girardi had his induction into the Writers Hall of Fame. Okay. So I've been there before. I was there five years ago. And we get the, the credentials. Now we gotta go back to the hotel and the guy in the cotton bowl courtesy card, which is the same size as a Domino's delivery card, <laughs> makes a left turn and I looked over, I go, Oh my god, now we're on Elm Street. And everybody looks around. Jack knows what I mean. I said, we're on Elm Street. Really? I said, yes. I said, where the president got shot? They went, oh. And the guy drove right over the X. And Jack and I look at each other like, oh. Eerie feeling. Hey, no eerie feeling on this show. What a decade. The decade comes to a close tonight. And I can't wait for the next decade to start. And I can't wait to talk to you on Thursday. Frank Bodani is going to be our guest. To each and every one of you, Happy New Year. Enjoy it. Matt, great to have you here. You and Lisa have a great night tonight and a great New Year. Absolutely, Steve. Same to you and the fam as well. Today's show brought to you by our great friends at Sunbury Motors. Sunbury Motors.